Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Mark's Gospel, the fourth chapter. And our subject is seeking the kingdom. Seeking the kingdom. And I will reiterate a few points. And we'll pick up from there and move on. Here in the fourth chapter, in verse 10 and 11, we find Jesus speaking to his disciples. And when he was alone, they that were about him, with the twelve, asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are hidden from them. All these things are done in parables and hidden from them. That seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know you not this parable, and then how will you know all parables? Well, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its provision in our lives. We declare, dear Father God, that we have attentive ears and receptive hearts. And by thy spirit you will quicken your word that it may be a living reality within us and unveil to us the living Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. We said it's given unto us to know the mystery of the kingdom. We're supposed to know it. We're supposed to understand it. The mystery of the kingdom of God that's within us. We declared previously that in Matthew 6 and 33, Jesus said, Seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. He didn't try to seek for something that you could not find, did he? If he said, Seek for the kingdom, you can find it. For if you seek, you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Amen? Amen. So seek it, and you'll find it. Well, we found out in Luke's Gospel, the 12th chapter, that it's the Father's good pleasure to give unto you the kingdom. Well, bless God, lo and behold, we've been seeking for it and found that it's in us. He gave it to us. He gave it to me. He gave it to you. And in Luke 17, 20 and 21, we found out that he said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation or in outward showing or appearance, but the kingdom of God is within you or inside you. Now, if I stop right there, we can have a hallelujah party. The kingdom of God is inside you, and it's inside me. Say it with me. The kingdom of God is inside me. Hallelujah. It just does something to you when you say it. And then we found out in Matthew 6 and 10 that the purpose for the kingdom of God coming is so that the will of God could be done in the earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So the purpose for the kingdom of God coming is so that God's will could be done in earth as it is in heaven. A lot of people walk around that are born-again Christians and they say, well, if it's God's will, well, we better find out what God's will is. God's will is His Word. And the reason why the kingdom came so that you could know the will of God, Paul praying for the church at uh, Colossae said, I desire that you may be filled with all the knowledge of his will. Amen. All the knowledge of his will. See? All. He desired that we be filled with all the knowledge of his will. And so thy kingdom come that thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now, I am just reiterating a few points that we made previously in our last six lessons, I believe. But we also said that the kingdom of God operates from within inside the heart of the believer. 
We found this also out in the fourth chapter of Mark here. We saw it in verse 26 through 29. And as Jesus expounded to them the parable of the sower, he described how the kingdom of God works in the heart. He also shared with them how Satan comes to destroy that operation of the kingdom in the heart of each individual, which if time allows us, we'll get into tonight a little bit of it. But we said the kingdom of God operates in the heart of the believer and the heart of every individual is affected by his confession. And again, I don't have time to go over in greater in great depth what we talked about in the area of confession, but you need to know that the confession of your mouth affects your human spirit. The words that we speak affect our spirits, our hearts. That's why he said, protect the word in your heart diligently with all diligence. For out of it comes the forces or the issues of life. And he said how to protect it. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking forward and perverse things. Because he knew that the words that we speak have an effect upon our spirits. Now remember, words are containers. They contain either life or death. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. A man's belly, talking about his spirit, shall be satisfied by the words or the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips, so shall he be filled. I don't want to be filled with the knowledge of death. Do you? I want to be filled with the knowledge of life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Jesus says, either make the tree good and his fruit good, or make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for a tree is known by its fruit. Then he went on to say, how can you being evil speak good things? For a good man out of the good treasures or deposits of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasures or deposits of his heart brings forth evil or corrupt things. And in the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians, we're told, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer, and grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Is that what it said? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Or unwholesome talk, I believe the Amplified Bible says, something like that. Unwholesome speech. Unwholesome. Does anybody have an Amplified translation here? Shout it out, sister. I'll, I'll repeat it. Fourth chapter, 29. You mean I didn't tell you that? It's in there somewhere. Fourth chapter, 29 and 30. Let no foul or polluting language, nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk, ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others, as is fitting to the need and the occasion. That it may be a blessing and give grace, God's favor, to those who hear it. Unwholesome speech, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life that bears fruit of righteousness. Unwholesome speech is a tree of death. Corrupt things are brought forth. Now, your speech affects your spirit. And the words that we speak affect our spirits, causing it to either produce good or evil fruit. Now, I want to produce good fruit in my life, don't you? We are to be fruitful in every good work, the Word says. Okay. Now, also we said, and I'm, I can't go much deeper in confession right now on that, but the last tape we did, so you have to get that tape. First Corinthians, the fourth chapter, said that the kingdom of God does not come in word, referring to the word of man's wisdom, but the kingdom of God has come in power. The kingdom of God has come in power, in power, in power. The kingdom of God has come to us in power, and it's in you now. It's in me. It's in all of us. The kingdom of God is in us, in power. I want to show you something about the power. I believe it's beneficial. it'll be beneficial for us to understand the contrast between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. Now, you and I are living and operating in the kingdom of light. 
Satan and his bunch and all those that are living in the kingdom of darkness operate from that kingdom. These two kingdoms are clearly separate from one another. And we need to rightly divide both kingdoms. We need to find out what's in our kingdom and what's in his kingdom. Stay out of what's in his kingdom and operate what's in our kingdom. It will be beneficial for us to understand it. But let's go to Mark's Gospel, the third chapter. You recall that Timothy said something like, Study to show yourself to be approved to God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing, rightly dividing the word of truth. You recall that James himself also said, Every good gift and perfect gift is from above. Don't be an heir. But every good and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And you recall Jesus, with a two-edged sword, is the one that established the dividing line between God and the devil and the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness when he said in John 10.10, 10, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, to destroy, but I have come to give life and that more abundantly. That they may have life and have it more abundantly. Death is in his kingdom. Life is in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of life. In Mark's uh, gospel, the third chapter... We'll begin reading with verse 1. We'll read a few portions of Scripture here, but I want to show you something about contrasting these two kingdoms. And he entered again into a synagogue, and there was a man which had a withered hand. And they watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he saith unto them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil? good or evil, to save life or to kill. But they held their peace. They didn't say anything. And when he had looked round about on them that them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. But Jesus withdrew himself with the disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea, and from Jerusalem, and from Idumea, and from beyond Jordan, and they round about Tyre and Sidon, and a great multitude, when they had heard what great things he did, came unto him, and he spake to his disciples that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him, for he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him, as many as had plagues. And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. And he straightly charged them that they should not make him known. And he goeth up into a mountain and called, calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him, and he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that they, uh, he might send them forth to preach and to have power. The kingdom of God has come in power and to have power, power to heal sickness and to cast out devils. The power in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom that we belong to of light, that has come to us is power to cast out devils and the power to heal sicknesses and diseases. Evidently, the kingdom of God is against demons and evil spirits and against sicknesses and diseases that try to destroy our life. We'll go on reading and find out. Let's go up to verse 20. And the multitude cometh together again, so that they could not so much as eat bread. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said, He is beside himself. And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said... He had Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils casteth he out devils. And he called unto them, unto him, and said unto them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? How can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom, underline it, we're talking about the kingdom of God. And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. Let's stop right there. I want you to note that he's talking about the kingdom of darkness 
He likens it unto a house, the kingdom, a house, and Satan rising up against himself. In other words, any kingdom that's going to fight against itself and be divided will come to an end. It'll be destroyed. It won't have any longer have any power. So if he was casting out devils by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils, then devil was working against himself. But I want you to clearly see that Jesus said that evil spirits and demons and sicknesses and diseases are all in the kingdom of darkness. And in that kingdom, there is a king. Satan is the king of the kingdom of darkness. Satan is king in the kingdom of darkness. It's clearly understood. Satan is the head of this household. Evil spirits, demons, sicknesses, diseases, and plagues, poverty, all the things that pertain to ungodliness are also operating in the kingdom of darkness. They're all in that kingdom. We don't belong to that kingdom. Satan is the king of that kingdom. Sin is the power of that kingdom. Hear me. Sin is the power of his kingdom. And the wages of sin is death. The effect of sin in the spirit of man results in sickness and disease in the body of man. And finally, the end thereof are the ways of death. Satan is king. Sin is the power of the kingdom. Sickness is the fruit of it in the body. The fruit of that kingdom in manifestation in the earth is the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh. And the final result of that kingdom is death. The second death. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to belong to that kingdom. Do you? Do you want to belong to that kingdom? And I don't want to have anything that belongs to that kingdom come on my doorstep. Do you? And it's high time that the kingdom of God started to realize that we're set free from that kingdom of darkness. And those that are in the kingdom of God realize this. Now, in Col don't turn to it. I'm just going to quote it to you. In Colossians 1 and 13, we have been told that we have been delivered from the authority of darkness. We have been delivered, set free from the kingdom or the authority of darkness, and we have been translated into the kingdom of the Son of His love. The kingdom of God, in other words, the kingdom of light, in other words, has a king. The king in the kingdom of God is King Jesus. He is the king of us kings. He is the Lord of us lords. Amen. Amen. Doesn't the Bible say he's made us kings and priests unto God? Amen. So the king in our kingdom is not king devil, but king Jesus. Boy, I wish I could get that across in such great dimension that everybody stops talking about the devil and starts talking about Jesus. Amen. 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 I read a newsletter. I won't say where it came from. I just want to say what I read. I read a letter, and as I read it, it said, Satan, blah, 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 blah. And you know, Satan wants to blah, 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 blah. And Satan wants to, etc., etc., etc. Satan wants to blah, 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 blah. And I kept reading it and reading I said, well, what about Jesus? What about Jesus? Man, if I, and I'm not putting myself in the, anywhere, but if I was writing an article, I said, Jesus is Lord. And the Word of God says such and such. And the Word of God cannot be denied. And Jesus is King, and He's going to see to it to come to pass in our midst. But I couldn't believe what I read. I guess I could believe it, couldn't I? I read it. It was there. But, you know, you, you don't want to accept the fact that here we are, supposedly walking in the light of God's Word, supposedly walking in this brand new kingdom, kingdom of light, and everybody's talking about the devil. You know, you thought me thinking about it. I don't talk to that fellow much. I don't. I don't have to give him the time of day. You say, well, what do you do when sickness and disease tries to attach itself to your body? You know what I do? I look up and say, thank thee, Father, that I am healed. That's what you should say. Thank thee, Father, that I am healed. Forget about the other fellow. We've been delivered from his kingdom. We've been translated into a new kingdom. Jesus is Lord. He is the king of this kingdom. The power of this kingdom is righteousness. The power of this kingdom is righteousness. The effect of righteousness in the human body is health. The fruit of righteousness in manifestation, the fruit of the Spirit. The end result of righteousness in the human spirit is eternal life. Life eternal. Forever and ever. That's the kingdom that you're in. 
That's the kingdom that you and I are in. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to operate in that kingdom, don't you? I want to follow its principles and understand how to operate in its principles and learn how to have all these things work in my life. Let's go to the sixth chapter of the book of Romans for a minute. I want you to see something here. Satan's kingdom is based on works. Did you know that? It's based on works. His kingdom is based on works. You work for him, those that are in that kingdom, and you earn wages. Verse 23. You earn wages. I said the end result of this kingdom is death. Let's look at it. For the wages of sin is death. Notice a wage is something that you earn. When you're in his kingdom, you work for him. He pays wages. The wages of sin is death. Now, I don't know about you. I don't like to get paid death. I don't want to be paid death. I don't want to work for no devil. Do you? Do you? The wages of sin is death. But now notice, in the kingdom of God where we're at, you don't work for, but you work with. And the principles of the kingdom of light are not based on wages and earnings, but it's based on free gifts. Look at the last part of this verse. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. It's the gift of God. The gift, the gift. We have received the gift of eternal life by receiving the gift of righteousness that we may reign as kings in the earth through that righteousness. So we work with King Jesus and because we work with Him, we have received the free gift of eternal life and righteousness. Now, isn't that a whole lot better to be working into a kingdom where you are an heir in that kingdom? He is, that devil is so selfish, he doesn't even consider those that are working for him at all. As far as he's concerned, even those that are in his kingdom are under him. He wants to be the big boss. But you know how God is? He says, you're an heir of God, a joint heir with my son. I make you equal with me. Think about that. Think about that. God's not selfish, is He? You know, I don't think we've ever understood in great depth the inheritance that we have through Jesus Christ. No. He didn't bring us to a place and says, and I've raised you up to sit ten steps below me. But He says, I have raised you up and made you to sit together with me in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and will reign together as heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, equal heirs throughout all eternity. God is not selfish. He is a God of love. What a kingdom. Glory. Think about that. What are you going to get from the devil? Nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing but death. Well, let's go back to um, Matt, Mark. Let's go to Luke's Gospel first. Luke 11. When, this is the same scriptures that we're reading there in Mark, but I want, I want to show you the same thing in a little bit different light. Matter of fact, find Mark 3 also. Let's read both of them together because they're both the same. Oh man, we're in a kingdom of light. King Jesus is on the throne. We're heirs of God, joint heirs with Him. We've been delivered from that authority and power and kingdom of darkness. That kingdom has no right, no right, no authority, no power to intrude in our everyday life. None whatsoever. Up until the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffered violence. I mean the kingdom of God suffered violence. They killed the prophets. They killed all the priests. Anybody that came bringing the good news of the, uh, of the word of God... They stoned them or threw them into the lion's den or tried to throw them into a fire furnace. Anybody was set up for God, the wickedness and the evil of man that was upon the face of the earth and the kingdom of darkness could not stand the kingdom of light. I mean, it actually despised anybody that came heralding the word of God. That he wanted to kill them. Satan wanted to kill them so bad. You saw what they tried to do to the three Hebrew children and all the prophets, right? 
But blessed be God, one day somebody called Jesus of Nazareth said, I've had enough of this kingdom of God on earth being persecuted. I've had enough of this kingdom taking the violence like they've been taken. And after the days of John the Baptist, and you remember up to John the Baptist, they even beheaded him. This kingdom suffered great violence, but blessed be God, when Jesus came, he came and destroyed the works in the kingdom of darkness. He said, and I'm going to be the violent one, and I'm going to take it all of you off of the devil by force. And he did. Here's how he did it. Look at this verse. Verse 26 again, Mark 3, 26. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand but hath an end. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. Now go back to Luke 11, and we'll read it from Luke's standpoint. Let's start here with verse 17. But he, knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against, against a house falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because you say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they be your judges. But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt, no doubt, there is no doubt but the fact the kingdom of God is come. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And the kingdom of God has come upon you. The kingdom of God has come upon you. And by the finger of God, Jesus proved that the kingdom of God came in power. It came in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And the kingdom of God was far greater than the kingdom of darkness that was upon the earth. He cast out devils. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. And the kingdom of God was prevailing. But they tried to accuse him as being Beelzebub. But the kingdom of God has come, he said, unto you and upon you. Oh, now listen to this. It came upon them on the earth, but it was going a step further. Next verse. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divideth his spoils. Now, in verse 20 we see that the kingdom of God has come. And it's come upon us. In verse 21, a stronger one than who was the king in the kingdom of darkness was coming upon him. And in verse 20, the next verse... 22, he was going to defeat him and strip him of all his power and divide his spoils. Now here's the picture. The kingdom of God came to the earth and Jesus walking with that kingdom inside him proved beyond the shadow of a doubt. There's no doubt, he said, the kingdom of God has come to you because I by the finger of God have cast out devils and done any work that no man has ever seen before upon the earth. The kingdom has come upon you. But a stronger one, the king of the kingdom of God was going to visit the king of the kingdom of darkness in his kingdom and enter into his palace and enter into his house and he, the stronger one, was going to destroy the weaker one once and for all and deliver us, all those that trust in him who through fear of death were subject to the bondage of death and to the kingdom of darkness. And Jesus there in the domains of hell destroyed him that had the power of death the king of light but the king of darkness and the king of light prevailed and dispelled the darkness. Stripped him of all his authority and power. He through death destroyed him that had the power of death that is the devil. Him that had the power of death no longer has the power of death. But Jesus rose up victoriously and he said, All power is given unto me. I am he that liveth and was dead but behold I'm alive forevermore and I have the power, the authority of hell and death. All the power is his. He stripped him of that power. That kingdom is stripped. That kingdom of darkness is stripped. Its power has been taken from him. Satan's authority and power has been removed from him. He's whipped. He is defeated. He has no authority. He has no power. Jesus has it all. You know what kingdom you're in? Oh, you're in the kingdom who has all the power. 
And the kingdom of God has come unto you. The kingdom of God has come unto me. We're in that same kingdom, bless God, right now. And he did it through death. Well, we understand that. We know that. Well, let's find out if, if, if it holds true. You remember over there? It, look, go to Acts 8. Remember over there that um, Jesus, when he rose up from the, from the dead and before he left his disciples, he said, All power is, is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe whatsoever things I've commanded you, and baptizing them, and lo and with you always unto the ends of the earth. And in Mark's account of the same ascension of Jesus when he, was le when he left them, he said, Go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils? You believe on Jesus? Do you believe on Jesus? In my name shall they cast out devils. He's giving us the power and authority to do the same thing. Cast out devils. Speak with new tongues. Take up serpents. If you drink any deadly thing, it will not harm you. If you lay your hands upon the sick. That's what he said. That's he's, what he said would happen because I'm now king and all the authority is given unto me, all the power is given unto me. Well, in the eighth chapter of the book of Acts, we found out somebody dared believe. Remember over there, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them in verse 5. And when he preached Christ unto them, the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them. And those that were taken with palsies and many that were lame were hewn. And there was great joy in that city. And verse 12 says, But when they believed Philip, but when they believed Philip, now listen to me, but when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning, concerning the kingdom of God. I think it's time we write a divide where evil spirits and demons and sickness and disease come from. But when they believe Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, now listen, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light is one and the same. It's against all the kingdom of darkness. These two kingdoms are at, so far apart from each other in such a degree that man has never known. In a great dimension that man has never known. You think that when people are at war upon the earth that they hate each other so bad that they can't stand each other? Can you imagine the, the disagreement there is between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light? But he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God to them and the name of Jesus. Who is the king in the kingdom of, of light? He preached both of them. He preached the kingdom of God and he preached the name of Jesus. He said the kingdom of God and he went on expounded about the kingdom of God. He probably said it's in your heart. He probably said it's against all ungodliness. He probably said it's all against sickness and disease. He said it's against all evil spirits and wickedness and all this power of the enemy. And he said, Jesus raised up from the dead and glory be to God. That same power is here right now. And he preached it and he preached it. Philip preached it and preached it and preached it. And it says the people believed him. They believed him preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus. And when they believed him, devils were cast out. Unclean spirits went out of them. Crying with loud voices. Those that were lame were healed. They believed what he said. They believed that the kingdom of God was greater than the kingdom of darkness. And all oh, there was great joy in that city because he preached the kingdom of God. He preached the name of Jesus. He preached about King Jesus. And just preaching about King Jesus releases the power of that kingdom, the authority that's in that kingdom. It's here right now. It's in us. It's with us. It's ever present with us everywhere we go right now. Well, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to preach anything, I'm going to preach the kingdom of God. I'm going to preach the name of Jesus. I'm going to preach the kingdom of light. I'm going to preach the name of Jesus. And because of all of what he did, because of all of what Jesus did, the Father said, I'll exalt you and give you a name that's above every name. A name that's above every name. Now listen to me. That things are beings in heaven. Matter of fact, turn there because if I don't show it to you, you might not believe me. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Wherefore, wherefore, because Jesus did all this, wherefore, verse 9. God hath highly exalted him and hath given unto him a name which is above every other name that at the name of Jesus, that at the name of King Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things or beings in heaven, of things or beings in earth, of things or beings under the earth 
and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I like to tie right in with that in the book of Revelation, the fifth chapter, where, where it talks about every creature which is in heaven, every creature which is in earth, every creature which is under the earth, every creature which is in the sea, and all that in them is heard I saying with a loud voice, they all bowed to the name of Jesus, blessing and honor and glory and power unto him. In other words, he really has that name that's above every name. The king of darkness doesn't have any authority. He doesn't have any power. He's been stripped. He is defeated. But the king in the kingdom of light has been given all authority. He's been given all power. He is worthy of all honor. He is worthy of all praise. We are in that kingdom now. His name, every knee must bow to it, whether they be things in heaven, earth, or under the earth, Satan and all his cohorts, sickness and disease and evil spirits must bow to the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We're in his kingdom were in his kingdom. We are co-laborers with him, equal heirs with him. That name in your heart and on your lips will do the same thing that Jesus did to the kingdom of darkness when he was here on the earth. Well, you say, where's the problem lie? You say, if this is so, if this is so true, if what you're saying is accurate in the Word of God. If this is rightly dividing the Word of Truth, then why in the world does it seem to be that the Christians and the born-again people are defeated people? Let me go back to the fact that my people are destroyed through lack of knowledge. A lot of people don't preach what I just preached. A lot of churches don't even understand what we just talked about. A lot of places don't even understand the difference between the two kingdoms. That's right. And a lot of people don't understand their righteousness in, in Christ and know who they are in Christ. They don't even know that they have the power to, to, to use the name of Jesus in every circumstance of their life and have victory in every circumstance of your life. Yeah. They don't know how the operation of the kingdom of God works inside the heart and so that you can grow and develop to a place that this kingdom could be so powerful through you. This kingdom can be so powerful through you that you take the master's place in the earth. You think I'm kidding you? 1 John 2, 6 says, He that saith he abideth in him of himself also so to walk even as he walked. And the works that I do shall you do also because greater, than the, and greater works than these shall you do because I'm going unto my Father. And whatsoever you ask in my name I will do it that the Father may be glorified and the Son ask anything in my name and I will do it. Now what he said? If you abide me and my words abide in you you ask what you will it shall be done unto you. Is that what he said? Now listen, we're in that kingdom. We got the name of Jesus. We got the power right now. Now go back to Mark 4 and I'll show you how it works. I'll show you what the devil is trying to do to destroy it. I'll show you his attempt to destroy that which God has wrought in you. If you don't understand how it works, and if you don't realize how this kingdom must be developed in the heart of every individual that we can grow to a place in him, that this power that's ever-present in the name of Jesus can be available to your every need. If you don't understand it, then even though you've been delivered from the powers of darkness, they'll hold you in bondage. But you know, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We don't need to be held in bondage to anybody or anything. We've been delivered from all that. Can you imagine somebody who is so full of power in their spirits because of the name of Jesus being held captive by some little old weakling that's been defeated and paralyzed and crippled for, for, the, for eternity? The devil? Does that even make any sense to you? It doesn't, does it? It doesn't seem right that anybody that's in the body of Christ that has the power in the name of Jesus, and we all do, should be walking around here with long faces, held in bondage to fears and worries. Matter of fact, you're in Mark 4. Hold your place there because the uh, Spirit of God shared this with me. You turn to it. Romans 8 chapter. Hold your place there. We're going to go right back to it. Romans the 8 chapter. And verse 15. There are those that are in the body of Christ that listen to this. When they hear this message of faith, when they hear the walk of faith, when they hear the message of faith, it's like being born again again. It's like being born again all over again. Something that ignites you inside your spirit, man. It's just like you've been born again all over again. Blessed, blessed be God. Something rises up on the inside of you that you get violent with Jesus to take the forces of darkness and destroy him. Amen? This is, it's a sad thing to say this, but this is where some people are at. Look, look at verse 14 first. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 
for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. People get born again, they get spirit-filled, and then before you know it, because of lack of proper teaching or lack of study in the Word, lack of fellowship with the Father, lack of rightly dividing the Word of truth, they get back under this, this bondage of this spirit of fear. We've not received the bond, this bondage under fear. We've not received that. We don't have to live under that. You mark that in your Bible. You boldly proclaim that before the devil. I have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Say that with me. I have not received the bondage again to fear. Again, I have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But I have received. I have received the spirit of adoption. Whereby I cry out the Father. For I'm in His kingdom. He's my Father. I'm His Son. Jesus is King. I'm an heir of God. Join in with Jesus. I'm in His kingdom now. I'm free. See, we don't have to fall under the bondage of fear. We don't have to fall to that spirit any longer. We don't have to be in chains and bondages in this earth any longer. We can walk in the liberty where Christ has set us free by standing fast therein. He told that to the church, the Galatian church, didn't he? Stand fast in the liberty wherein Christ has set you free. Don't get back under the bondage of the kingdom of darkness. There's really two places that he gets his power, and I'm going to go back to Mark 4 and I'll pick it up there. You know, we've understood that he has the power of deception. We know that. There is the power of deception. And we know that the, the devil can use the power of deception to get us to use our own power against ourselves by our confession, by the words that we speak, putting ourselves back into bondage. But there's no, another place where Satan gets his power that I think we need to hit hard. And I think we need to make known to the body of Christ. And that place is sin. The power of the kingdom of darkness is found in sin. Sin brought death into the world. Sin, disobedience, disobeying God. Sin is where also where Satan gets his power. And if you yield yourself and the members of your body unto sin, then Satan will have power over you. Don't ever forget that. We have not received this spirit of bondage. We've received the spirit of our Father, the victory we have. We are not under the dominion of sin and death, but we are under the dominion of righteousness and life eternal. Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. Your old man was crucified with Christ, and you were raised to the newness of life, that the body of this sin, the body of sin, might be destroyed, that henceforth we should no longer serve sin. He that is born of God sinneth not. There is no problem in the body of Christ in many cases with knowing the power that's in the name of Jesus. You'll find out that we have got to live free from sin. We are freed from sin. We've got to live free from sin. And when we get off into sin, then we open up the devil, the door to the devil. That's where he gets his power over a believer's life. Let me show you how he does it. Go back to Mark 4. In this fourth chapter, I'm going to show you five ways that Satan's kingdom operates to get you out of the Word and to stop the kingdom from working in your heart. This is his attempt to stop the kingdom from operating effect, effectively in your heart. In verse 14, the sower soweth the word, and these are they which by the wayside, where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves. And so endure but for a time afterward when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, they immediately they are offended. Number one, affliction. Number two, persecution. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world. Number three. And the deceitfulness of riches. Number four. And the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Number five. Three, four, and five. We see the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things. Three, four, and five. Okay, verse 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground. Good ground. Such as hear the word and receive it 
and bring forth fruit, some thirty fold, some sixty, and some a hundred, a hundred. Now the kingdom of God that works inside the heart works as a seed. And that, as long as that seed is left inside your heart to grow and develop, it'll grow into a tree of life. If there was no adversary out there to hinder that seed, it would not take very long until the entire body of Christ would be operating in the fullness of the kingdom of God and its power. But because of the fact we have an enemy arrayed against us, that seed that was sown in your heart, he does not want you to grow up in Christ. He doesn't care if you're... Listen to me when I say this. He don't care if you're saved. He'd rather see you not saved, but he doesn't care if you are. He don't care if you died right now saved and went to heaven. Because in heaven, you can't do him any damage down here on the earth. You can't affect his kingdom at all because you're up there in glory. He doesn't care about that. But when you are here on the earth and you start to hear the word, and the word of God is being developed inside your spirit, and the kingdom of God that's in you is being developed so that you begin to use that power against his kingdom of darkness, then you're asking for trouble. He doesn't like you. Now, you can sit into a church that's a born-again church, and as long as the Word's not being preached, as long as faith's not being preached, he don't care if you sit there until you go off to be with the Lord. He won't bother you. He'll probably have it pretty easy. But there'll be a lot of things you'll be missing out in this life right here. That's like, let me give you the parallel. That's like the children of Israel were delivered from the, uh, Egyptian bondage, and they went off into the wilderness, and God's intention was that they go into Canaan's land and prosper and enjoy all the blessings of the land. Well, because of the fact they did not obey God and they stayed in unbelief, they stayed, listen to me, what we would call a carnal state of Christianity, carnality, not going up into Christ, remaining a babe forever. If the parallel holds true, hear me, if the parallel holds true, as they died in the wilderness, so will the, the people that are in the body of Christ that do not grow in the spiritual manhood they'll die also without entering into the promises of God in the wilderness. And that parallel does hold true. Because he said to us in Hebrews, Beware and fear lest any of us having a promise to enter into all the fullness of God should seem to fall short of it because of an evil heart of unbelief. Because the word preached to them of the gospel did not profit them not being mixed with faith. And it's the same thing that holds true with us. Even though we have all these things that I just said tonight, Without faith, you can't enter into those blessings. And that's why we've got to get out of this carnal state into this manhood state, live free from sin. Uh, let me say it to you like this. You live free from sin, you live free from sickness and disease and all the, all the power of the devil. You'll be in 1 John 5.18 in that same class. He that's born of God keepeth himself, and the wicked one toucheth him not. That is my goal and desire, that the wicked one toucheth me not. Is that not your goal and desire? Is it not? Well, he has devised these five ways. <clears throat> now, hear me when I say this. He devised these five ways to get to your heart so he can get to your tongue so that the word that's in you will not produce. Affliction. Affliction, persecution, cares, deceitfulness of riches, and a lot of other things. All are designed to affect your spirit because when they enter in, they choke out the word. And if they enter in and affect your human spirit, your human spirit will be in a state of double-mindedness and there will be no growth. You'll be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. He said that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. But you'll be a babe tossed to and fro, back and forth, back and forth. And you wonder why I'm not growing. I'm not growing. I'm not growing. I've been in the church for years, but I'm not growing. I'm not growing. I'm not growing. The reason why is the seed that's inside you is not being cultivated or developed inside your heart. And your human spirit, not understanding how the kingdom operates, is being so double-minded because of all the kingdom of darkness is bringing your way and very little of the, of the word of God that's going inside your heart because of not understanding its principles, you're developing and, and still operating under the rule of death, the dominion of death. That's possible. Did you know that? Death and life are the power of the tongue. If you keep speaking death, you're going to get death. Sowing and reaping process was uh, instituted by God in the beginning, the law of Genesis, and it works. Will a man sow it the same till he also reap? Well, this is the sower who sows the word. And this person that's walking with good soil is the one that keeps sowing the word in their heart. That's what we talked about confession. The confession of your lips, sowing the word of God inside your heart will cause your heart to be good ground. But if you stop that confession going, 
then your ground is going to be stony or your ground is going to be full of thorns and thistles and the word will be choked out even though you may know the word. That's why confession is so important. Matter of fact, we said something that you need to rem keep rem be reminded of. Continual confession means continual possession. Continually confess the Lordship of Christ. Continually confess your deliverance. That's why he said, let the redeemer of the Lord say so. Say it. Say it. Day in and day out. Day in and day out. Day in and day out. Just keep saying it. Say it to yourself. Say it to your own person. Whisper it. Murmur it. That's what meditation is. Mutter it. Continually say it. Continually say it. Continually say it. And you see, your heart will then be good soil. But I don't care how much you know the Word of God. If you don't continually say it, it's not going to affect your spirit. Because all these things from without coming in, those things that come in that you receive into your spirit, it'll cause your spirit to be unproductive in the things of God. Well, he's, these are five ways. That, now, the, the first one, affliction, is the pressure of circumstances. This, let me very quickly go over. The pressure of circumstances. The pressure of circumstances that are around you. Um, very good example. God's best was not... God's best was that my daughter did not fall down off of that staircase ten and a half feet down. That was God's best that she did. Okay? But she did. I'm not going to stand there and figure out why. We just knew to believe God. In a time of trouble, he's right there by your side, right? Okay. Well, once she fell, that produced the pressure of circumstances. Those were circumstances that began to produce pressure, 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 pressure. Do this. Do that. Do this. Do that. Do this. Do that. You ever get that pressure? Go this way. Go that way. Do this. What should I do in my life? I don't know. Go see this one. They tell you this. Go see that one. They tell you this. This one tells you to do this. This one tells you to do that. Pressure. 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 Before you know it, you're like a yo-yo. You don't know which way to go. But that pressure that's on you is trying to get you to make a hasty decision. It's affecting you inside your heart. Okay? That's called pressure of circumstances. The pressure of circumstances. That's how he afflicts you. And in all affliction, we're supposed to be joyful. We're supposed to count it joy. Aren't we? That's what the Word of God says to do. In the middle of all that pressure that's coming on, you count it joy. You say, it doesn't make sense to count it joy. Well, he says, when you're afflict afflicted and persecuted uh, for my name's sake, rejoice and be exceeding glad. Rejoice and count it joy. Why? Well, I want to show you something here. You know how that pressure is so strong that it seems like as though there's a hand on top of you just like pushing you down? And it seems like something's behind you trying to shove you to go this way, go that way, do this and do that? Well... That pressure that's all around you, the pressure of circumstances, is trying to get you to act on something. Uh, now, what, what it was trying to get us to do was, let's say, act upon... Well, let me see some other cases. Okay, um, one time Lisa was attacked with a high fever when we first got saved. And the pressures that were around us were saying, call a doctor, go do this, take her to the hospital, go do that. Because before we got saved, we were used to doing all that. Get her medicine, get her this, go do that, go do this, go do that. The pressure around us was dictating to us and trying to tell us what to do. That was affliction that was coming on us. Do this, do that, do this, do that, because of the affliction of the high fever. Well, in the midst of all of it, we began to think about what the Word said, what God said, what God's Word said. And we looked to each other and began to say what the Word said. Now listen to me. When you begin to speak God's Word in your circumstance, when you begin to rejoice in the reality of the Word of God, when you begin to speak it out of your heart with your mouth, what you do is you reverse the pressure. You take that same pressure, you reverse the pressure. It's time to get the devil's pressure off of us, and it's time to get the pressure on the devil. Put the pressure on the devil. Put the pressure on the devil. Make him sweat for a while. I think the church has thought they were the ones that were on the defense. And the devil was the one that was on the offense. And all the darts that are coming at you are just designed to destroy you and there's nothing you can do about it. But that's a lie of the devil. The body of Christ should be on the offense. We should be putting the pressure on the devil. We should be standing fast in what we believe. We should put, make him sweat. Put pressure on his life. And all his cohorts. You watch them flee from you. They'll run from you and tear. And we did that in other tongues. Oh, thank God for the Holy Ghost. All we did was just pray in other tongues, laid hands on her and prayed in other tongues, and the fever left, departed. See, he couldn't stand that pressure. I said the devil could not stand the pressure of God. You see, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. So you reverse the pressure and you put the pressure on him. Now, the other one 
is um, that which drives away. Afflictions and persecutions. Persecutions means that which, that which drives away. He wants to drive you away from the Word. Anything he can use to drive you away from the Word. To drive you away from the Word. Persecutions. Afflictions and persecutions. To drive you away from the Word. Paul was persecuted many times so that he wouldn't preach the Word. Drive him away from the Word. Now, the, you find in the Word that the Word says, um, with his stripes that you were healed. And the first thing that happened to you when you found out that with his stripes you were healed, you got attacked with sickness or disease. Okay? Now, the thing he wanted you to do, now listen to me. I am not opposed to the medical science. I say that every time I say this and preach this. There's God's good will, acceptable will, and perfect will. God's perfect will is that you walk in total divine health. Okay? That's his perfect will. Now, he has a good will also and an acceptable will. And if a person is in, is in the good will or acceptable will and you're shooting towards the perfect will, you're on the right track. But if you settle down in the good will and think you're going to use medical science all the days of your life, well, then I'm sorry, you're never, you're never going to attain to God's perfect will in your life. You follow me? And the first thing that he does when you first learn about Jesus being your healer, that God is your healer and you're free from sickness and disease, like I said, been, you don't have to have it anymore in your life. First thing he does is puts that on you to attack you with it to, to, to see whether you, what choice you're going to make. Either you're going to choose the word way or you're going to choose medical science. And so consequently, if he can get you leaning towards medical science every time you get attacked with sickness and disease and be afraid or have fear from to, to leaning on God's word, then he'll hold you in a place that you'll never develop in that area of your life. He'll use fear. Fear that your child's going to die. Fear that you're going to die. See, he puts you back under that bondage of fear again. But we've not received that spirit of bondage again to fear, did we? No. If you lean on the Word of God, you'll get your healing. And if you stand fast upon it without wavering, your healing will come. But the, what he does, he tries to drive you away from the Word by making you keep going to the other source. You seeing that? Okay, then the other ones, I'll very hurriedly run right through them. Cares of this world, they distract you in two different directions. They distract you in two different directions. Deceitfulness of riches... It means to present as truth that which is a lie. To present as truth that which is a lie. And really there's two lies about the deceitfulness of riches. It's wrong to have money. That's a lie. And it's right not to have money. That's a lie. It's wrong to have money. And it's not right. You see, it's, that's a lie. That's not, that's not right. That's not, that's not what the Bible teaches us. That's a deceit of the devil. That he's deceiving us into thinking that it's wrong to have money. But also he thinks he gets people deceived into thinking that it's right not to have money. They think they're right not to have anything. Okay? They're deceived both ways. So you get deceived both ways. But that deceitfulness of riches in the lives of certain people will stop the word from working. They won't use the word to get their finances because they think I'm being greedy if I use the word to get finances. Do you see what I'm saying? In other words, it's wrong for you to have to believe God ask him for money. That's, that's a lie right there. It's not wrong to ask him. He said, I'll supply all your need according to your riches, my riches and glory of Christ Jesus, right? So that's not wrong to do that. So if he can get you in, in, in either of these areas that you think it's wrong to ask him for something, then your need will not be met. And the word will never grow in your heart. In that area, you will not, you will not develop the kingdom of God in your heart. Okay? And uh, the lust of other things. A lust is an unhealthy, uncontrolled desire. A lust is an unhealthy, uncontrolled desire. Not a healthy, controlled desire, but an unhealthy, uncontrolled desire. And what he does is use, uses these things. Now listen to me. These are things that are deceiving. These are things we need to know. He'll use pleasures of life. That is not a, it's not an unhealthy desire. It's not, I mean, it's, it's a good desire. It's, it's a healthy desire. It, it's, could be, it could be a controlled desire. But he'll use those things in your life to drive you away from the Word of God because he gets you to a place that you think that this is going to take the place of God. You get into using these things, pleasures of this world and that sort of thing, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life, you get into doing these things and that drives you again away from the Word of God. These here lusts of other things. An unhealthy, uncontrolled desire is, um, well, let me give an example. It's not wrong to, to like sports, but if those sports get to a place that it's uncontrollable in your life and you're just watching sports or you're doing things about sports and sports becomes above God in your life, then it's an unhealthy, uncontrolled desire. There's nothing wrong with, wrong with watching a TV program, but if that TV program play, takes the place of the Word of God in your life 
and you don't have any time to study the Word, and that's an unhealthy, uncontrolled desire. There's nothing wrong with listening to the radio, but if all you do is listen to the radio all day long, and you don't, you don't get any, any of the Word inside your spirit, then that's an unhealthy, uncontrolled desire. You're not controlling that desire. There's nothing wrong with eating, but if you cannot control your eating, then it's an unhealthy, uncontrolled desire. You know, eating keeps you away from the Word of God also. That's a lust of other things. Now, all these things are designed in this fast pace that we live in to keep you out of the Word. Because if, if you could spend time with God in His Word, you'll become a spiritual giant. You will become a spiritual giant. If you'll take, I guarantee you, beloved, if, if, if the people that are listening would really receive this, if you'll set away and aside from you the pleasures of this earth for a while, if you'll set aside and fast all these things that take up your time, I'm talking about things that take up your time, you know, that you have to just get out there and do. Pleasures that are not sin, but they take up your time. And you spend that time, you spend a few weeks in that time and devoted all to the Word, all to meditating, all to confessing God's Word daily. I mean, to where you're so fanatical that you're a fanatic's fanatic. Do you know what happened to you? Your desires have changed. You won't be able to do those other things. You know why? Because your spirit man will grow by leaps and bounds. Your spirit will be enlarged to receive this life in you. And when you do, those are the desires that were out there. You'll find out those were lusts of the flesh that you want to do anyhow. But the desire of the Word will overcome that. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.